guys. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 74, we'll be having a look at boxing, and we're going to be introducing one of the rising stars of the game in Tim, Tim Zhu. Obviously, you know the, the surname Zhu. It is the surname of probably our greatest ever boxer here in Australia, Costa Zhu. So it's, it's actually really, really inspiring to see Tim actually set his own path. He's obviously got a lot of pressure carrying that name, but he's a very level-headed young man and a very, very talented boxer. Currently 7-0. and He's five knockouts deep. He's going to be fighting in April, which I'll give you all the details for shortly. But please, check him out on Facebook. He's at Tim Zoo Boxing, Instagram Tim Zoo, or he's also one of the trainers at Zoo Boxing Academy. You'll find that at 9 Ada Avenue at Rockdale. Definitely go check it out. It is an absolutely historical place. It's got a massive ring in it. We actually did a live Facebook chat from inside the ring. It was uh, it was a really, really good experience. Guys, if it's your first time here, please subscribe for free via iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. Or you're going to find it all online, all the episode guides, audio players. You won't miss a thing if you check out the website, www talkingwithtk.com. If you want to connect with me, probably the easiest way is on Twitter. It's Talking With TK. You'll find the same channel on Facebook. Or please send through any requests or suggestions at Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. Now, guys, I mentioned the fight in April. It will be on at St. George Motorboat Club, which is 2 Wellington Street, San Susi. It will be on the 8th of April. And he'll be fighting Ruben Webster from New Zealand, who's also undefeated with a record of 8-0. and zero. Now, tickets can be purchased at www.eventbrite.com.au. I'll have the direct link in the show notes. You can also find the direct link on Tim's Instagram page, which is at Tim Zoo. Now, general mission is actually sold out. There could be a release coming up in the coming weeks, so stay on the lookout for those. Tickets for general mission is $60. Now, VIP table seats go at $250 a head, which it does include a three-course food and drinks package, and of course, your seat at the fight. VIP tables for eight people, it's a two grand purchase price. So like I said, you'll be able to catch it all at www.eventbrite, which is b-r-i-t-e.com.au. Simply search Zoo and Webster. But like I said, I'll have it all on the show notes and Tim has got it all on his Instagram page. All right, guys, let's get straight to it. And I introduce Tim Zoo. All right, guys, my special guest is Tim Zoo. Tim is one of the rising stars of Australian boxing. Record of seven and zero, five knockouts. And he's invited me into this fantastic place, the Zoo Boxing Academy. Welcome, Tim Zoo, my man. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right, Tim. Talk to me a little bit about 2018, because 2017 was a bumper one for you. Seven fights. It's a great start to your boxing career, but I'm sure that you've got bigger and better goals for 2018. Let's so tell do. us a little bit um, about that. 2017 was, was my first year in the, in the professional ranks. So in any, in any given industry, your first year is always your apprenticeship year yeah. in anything you do, even in university and studying, everything, everything's a test. So it was good to get a, a few fights under my belt. I'd say seven fights, five KOs. Mm. Um, I'd say I was very active for the whole year. There was a few ups and downs. Yep. Um, but in all, it was, it was a good year. And 2018, we're looking, we're looking for bigger things now. Um, you've got to face adversity. 
And in my last fight, I got hit with a shot, mm -hmm. got back up, and was able to win most, mostly every round and got the win at the end of the day. Um, so 2018 was a uh, 2017 finished off with a good good lesson, mm. uh, 10 round fight with a tough tough opponent. Yeah, it was step um, up, big step up in class. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big step up, you know. And before before my first pro fight, yeah, actually before my first fight, I was I was watching the bloke, and he won he won that fight. And, Wade know, Ryan. Wade yeah. Ryan. And who who I would have never thought in a year's time they would have would have been versing him. You know, he would have he's been in the game for four or five years already, maybe even longer. What did you think of him at the time? Thought he was a good fighter. Yeah. You know, he he won, um, he won that fight, which you know I thought you know he's he's a good good fighter. And then after after a year, who would have thought that I would have been fighting him for for the WBC Asia title? And yeah, it was a, it was a good stepping stone for me, um, a good experience learned. Um, it was more rounds I've done in that fight than I've done in my whole career. Mm. So it was a good it was a good stepping stone for me. And you know, 2018 is it's it's more of, it's going to be more of a test. Uh, there's going to be bigger, bigger, harder fights. Yeah. And you know, I came I came into this sport to to challenge myself and see how far I can go. And with with the t right training, with the right team behind you, with the right backers, and with the right mindset and goals, anything anything in this sport is achievable. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there, there's only a handful of stories that have been told. And that's the that's the inspiration you're getting. And at the end of the day, you're you got two two arms, two legs, one brain, and it doesn't make a difference to anyone else. So yeah, 2018, I'm hoping for a big year, um, a few titles, get in the rankings, um, again get a bigger fan base. I know 2017 was massive. Um, had fights all around Australia. Mm -hmm. Had massive support. And I'm just looking to, to go upwards, you know. It's a boxing career is just like climbing a mountain. And I've only I've only done the, the early parts of early stages and I'm still still climbing it yeah, all the way for, to the top. For year one, but Tim, exactly. some of the incredible venues you've already been. The last last fight was at the casino. You've been to the Adelaide Oval on the undercard of Monday and Green, the biggest fight with Jeff Horn for that entire year. Your debut was at the SCG. You've also fought on Joseph Parker's undercard as mm. well. It must be incredible to be able to get that appreciation from promoters that want to put you onto these cards and at the same time be able to experience these bigger crowds, especially early in your career. Exactly right. Um, I'm very grateful for that. You know, not many people in the beginning of their career can say that they, they've mm. fought in such iconic stadiums and such iconic cards. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful and I just want to get on the bigger cards again, you know. Who, who knows what can, what can be around the corner. Yeah, let's talk a little bit of boxing because I know you're into your boxing. I see mm. Instagram, you love your Sunday fight days and you're always following. There's some huge, huge fights this year. And I, I just want to get your opinion on a few of them. Mm -hmm. The first one, I know you're a big fan of Anthony Joshua. He's yeah. going to be fighting Joseph Parker from New Zealand. So I like a bit of a local guy as well. Yeah. What's your opinion on that fight? I think it's going to be a good fight. Um... I'm a big fan of Joshua. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way he presents himself inside the ring and outside the ring. Mm. Um, in boxing, you can get hurt, and you are a human at the end of the day. And to see what he did with Klitschko, where he did get dropped and got up and was able to fight through all the adversity and to overcome all that and to, to bring it up on top, you know, that's, that's, that's much respectful to him. And Just before you go on, you yeah. know, you've been knocked down in your last fight. Anthony got knocked down mm -hmm. in his biggest ever fight. You know, you talk about that adversity. Can you give us insights to when you get dropped, what you are thinking? You know, what happened was, it was just a little flash. It was not that I was hurt. Yeah. I, didn't feel, I honestly didn't feel anything. It was just like a, 
um, I'm, I'm standing up straight, and then out of a second, I'm just down. I'm looking at the canvas. I'm just like, what do you mean? What just happened? Yeah. Got back up, and I was, it was completely fine, you know. And I, I conditioned myself to do, to do get hit with shots. Like for example, in training, we do exercise, exercises such as rolling on the floor, mm-hmm. doing forward rolls, spinning around. Just so you know that when you do get hit, yeah. which does happen in boxing, you know, it's, it's, you were not dancing there. We're not ballerinas. We, we, we still do get hit. And to, to know how to overcome that, you yeah. know. How long does it take for you to actually recover from a, from a knockdown? Not long, not yeah. long. No, not long. All that training. So that, that training just simulated kind of the dizziness within your own brain? You're able to control everything. Everything in boxing is about being able to control yourself. And once you're able to control yourself and your emotions and your breathing and everything, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, fantastic. Sorry, I did cut you off. You were yeah, about to Anthony probably Joshua. give you a, your prediction um, on the fight. I think... Look, Parker's a Parker's very good. Um, he's very rangy. He's got a good jab, good mm. speed. But I think uh, I think my prediction will be Anthony Joshua will get him in the later rounds. I think he's he's very explosive. Um, I think Joshua uh, Parker will be able to control more of the fight. Mm. But in terms of Joshua's explosiveness, where he can come out of nowhere for ten seconds, throw these big bombs, I think that's what's going to get him. Yeah, Tim, in your own perspective, what's the difference, you know, with your last fight with Wade Graham, it's a big step up in class mm-hmm. versus the other guys that you were fighting when you probably expected to win and walk over him a little bit. That's the same as kind of how Joseph Parker's been. He's been in fights where he's been a huge favourite and expected to win. Now he's in a situation where he's kind of an underdog and he just doesn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Approaching a fight like that, does that make you more of a dangerous fighter? Yeah, you're, you're more motivated. I think when you're when you're the underdog and when you got a bigger task in front of you, you're more motivated to perform, to train, to train harder. Because again, the fight isn't won in the ring under the bright lights. The fight's won before before the training, when you're training, when you when you wake up at 5 a.m., when you train three times a day, when you get your rest, when you eat the right food. That's that's what makes makes a fight. Um, under the bright lights is just like doing a test, but to to do a test, you've got to You've got to be able to, to perform to your maximum before that. Yeah, some fantastic insights there, man. Mm. Next fight I know you're interested in, Triple G versus Canelo. Yeah. That's going to be a fantastic... What did you think of the first fight? Um, I thought it was close. Um, I scored at 7-5. Mm-hmm. Which way? Um, Triple G. Triple G, yep. Um, the reason for it is um, I thought Triple G controlled more of the fight, put, brought the pressure. Mm. Um, Canelo came in spurts. In terms of the whole three minutes of a round, um, Canelo probably showed more of the explosiveness, the cleaner punches, but I think in out of the whole three minutes, he would have only won 30 seconds. Yep. In terms of two minutes and a half, there's still two and a half where Triple G's controlling, he's jabbing. Um, he, uh, Canelo landed the cleaner shots. He did. Yeah. But in terms of control, I thought Triple G controlled him more better. Uh, Triple G was missing a lot. Mm. But the next fight, I think, um, I think Canelo is going to adapt I think Canelo's going to adapt, and I think he's going to win. It does even, even though I'm, much, I'm a massive, massive fan of Triple J, and I really want him to win. Yeah, of course. Um, I think that Canelo's going to do it this one. Yeah, it's age factor as well. He probably has a little bit more in his sleeve, and like you did mention, in terms of making adjustments, he's probably got more adjustments to make because Triple J might be continuing to miss because that was the biggest thing, wasn't it? He was yeah, loading it was, up and was, missing, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. So he couldn't, he couldn't find that, that target. It was always... Canelo had a good game plan, moving, punching. 
but just wasn't busy enough. Mm. That's what that's all I thought. If if Canelo threw maybe a minute and a half more of punches, more of those combos throughout the round, yeah, he would have he would have won every round. But uh, Triple G was he was because of the controlled pressure. He was uh, like in my eyes, I thought he was winning the rounds. Yeah, yeah. same as me. Mm. Have you ever been over to Las Vegas to watch a live fight? Yeah, I have. Actually. Have you? Yeah. What did you see? Uh, I watched uh, Pacquiao vs. Cotto. Did you? Yeah. That was a great and I'd, fight. I'd say that was one of the best days of my life, watching <laughs> that one. You know, even I've always, because I grew up with boxing, every Sunday we used to watch it. Yeah. Um, when I even just rocked up to Vegas, I was like, man, this, this is the home, this is the mecca of boxing, you know. This is, this is what I've been watching on TV my whole life, to, to walk into the, to the hotel, to just to experience the whole thing. is just... Something I've only been seeing on TV and in my dreams, you know, mm. and to actually see it, I was, I was amazed. Guys, just a quick break in today's episode. If you're into your combat sports, plenty in the coming weeks. We're going to be hosting Paul the Hurricane Briggs, so be on the lookout for that one. If you're a first-time listener, we've had the likes of George Cambosis, Andrew and Jason Maloney, Mark Hunt, Richie Vass, Alex Volkanovsky, Garth Wood, and Luke Jackson on the show. So please go back and check out their stories. You can subscribe for free to the podcast via iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You'll find it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. Just remember that the fight is on the Sunday on 8th of April. It's at the St. George Motorboat Club. Tim will be fighting against undefeated New Zealand fighter who's 8-0, Ruben Webster. So you can catch all tickets at www.eventbrite.com.au. You'll find the link on my show notes page or on Tim's Instagram channel. At this stage, general mission is sold out. It will be $60 if they do put some more seats out there. VIP tables are still available. Individual seats are $250, which includes a three-course meal and all your drinks included. Or a VIP table for eight people is $2,000. So go out and check out the link and give plenty of support to one of our rising stars of boxing, Tim Zhu. All right, guys, let's get back to the chat with Tim. Yeah, you, know, you, also, you talked about the Sunday family day watching boxing. Mm. Was that something that was passed on maybe by your grandpa to your father? How was it, that kind of um, transition? <laughs> we, were, we were just always aware of all the boxing in the boxing world, yeah. what's happening. Um, and is I your brother the same as you? Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, when, you're, when you're brought up in a boxing family, I think that's how that's how it is. But all we know is boxing, mm. you know. So when you grow up like that, you adapt to it. <laughs> I saw an amazing picture that you put on your Instagram of you and your mother, and yeah. you were sparring, and you weren't even walking. It was quite, oh yeah, 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 yeah it was yeah, quite yeah. an amazing thing that yeah. I guess the way it all comes around. Even though you didn't start as a boxer, you always kind of had that in the back of your mind that that was kind of the path. It was always team. it was always a dream of mine to be, to become a boxer, you know, but. You know, when your father's a boxer, a, box, a boxer's life isn't easy at all. It's mm. a very hard, very hard job. Um, and I think my parents didn't want me to do boxing, just for the fact, because they, they've experienced it themselves yeah. about how hard it is, you know, how much it takes. And so I was always, I wouldn't say, I've always, always had the, I could do whatever I want in terms of what I want to do with my life, but I've, mm. they were sort of influencing me to do something else. Yep. And at the end of the day, I woke up and I'm like, you know what, I can't, I can't live for them. I've got to live for myself and do what I want. And that's why I, had the, I got the decision to turn professional. Yeah. Tim, where did you go to school? Uh, Newington. Finished okay. up at Newington. Was it difficult for yourself and your brother to carry such a famous name when you went to school? Uh, 
No, 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 not really, you know, because at the end of the day, I see myself as a, as a normal person like everyone else, mm. just because we do have a, a last name that everyone in the country does know. Um, we don't go telling people, we don't go boasting about it, you know. We're, we're simple people, we keep to ourselves, and no one really bothered us. Yeah. Did you ever get to watch your father actually fight live? Yeah, I um, got to watch the one in, um, in Melbourne, the Jesse James layout. Okay. How old were you then? Oh, how old was I? I would have been young. Um, when was that? 2002, was it? Yeah. I think 2002, yeah. Yeah, it was only young. I remember grabbing the belt. We were walking out and I got the belt, holding the belt towards the, so you the, towards the ring. So yeah. stuff too. Uh, but I don't remember much of the fight. I just remember the walk towards there and the, and the post-fight. Um, but besides that, I think I went to my dad's, one of the only ones in Australia. I never went to the ones... In America. Um, what about the Ricky Haddon fight? No, I wasn't there. My dad was very... Um, when he fought, it was all business, you yep. know. We're not bringing everyone for a holiday. It's not a celebration, you know. Business is business. Um, boxing these days is, is more of a, um, a night out now. Okay. It happens like that now. You know, entertainment. That's how people mm. see it. But for, for, the, for the families involved, for the, for the people that are real close here, it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with... Let's have a night out. Let's let's dress up. Let's let's show people. It's it's more of a, a nerve-wracking thing where you'd prefer sitting at home and staying at home. Yeah. You know? Even back then, you know, you were so young. You know, it must have been a thrill to walk the belt into the ring. But did you realise how much of a big deal to the Australian public your father was? Um. See. I never, my dad's, like, we always stayed away from, yeah. from the media, from all that stuff. We, we never got to see it. We always saw our dad as just an ordinary dad. Mm. Um, but he, we always, he always told us, you know, you've got to be like everyone, but you've got to stand out from everyone at the same time. Yeah, some you great know? lessons for when you want to be a father exactly one day, right. when you're professional, at yeah. least still. Exactly right. So you played soccer, did you, before you actually... Start, first, first sport was gymnastics. Did you? Yeah, we did that for, I don't know how long, six years, me, my brother, and my sister. Russians are notorious for being really gymnastics. good gymnasts, are they? <laughs> I can still do a handstand from now, you know. I can still walk on my hands. It's something I've learned for the rest of my life, I guess. Um, yeah, started off with gymnastics, then I got into soccer. Yeah. Um, Soccer was good because it was a, I was able to work as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I reached a certain age and I was like, I think it was 12, and I was like, soccer's not for me. Yeah. I, can't, I can't rely on people because I do get angry, you know, and I, and I want to do stuff on my own. Yep. And that's why I got into boxing. And because I've, I've always been boxing my whole life, you know, it was from, from day one, even though I was playing soccer, gymnastics and all that, I was still in this gym. You know, we've had this gym for 19, 20 years now. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is my second home. Um, this is where I grew up. And then I decided to do boxing, and it's been from then on. Tell me about meeting some of your idols, because I read somewhere that you know, you're a big fan of Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson. You got to actually meet mm. a lot of these guys. Yeah, it was, it was a, quite a big deal, actually. Yeah, when Roy, Roy came here to fight, um, what's his name, Danny Green. Danny Green. Um, yeah, I got to meet him. Roy came in for a session here. Mm. Um, everyone got photos. Dad got to uh, talk to him because my dad and Roy are very, very close with each yep. other. So, so Dad introduced uh, me to Roy. Started speaking, and then me and my friend actually we went to a, a like a public session for Roy Jones. It was at uh, Martin Place, okay. and he was there. He was there, and I walked up to him. I'm like, Roy, Roy, Roy. He's like, Oh, 
mini zoo, mini zoo. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even with my dad. He goes, mini zoo. And I'm like, I just remember that for the rest of my life uh, when he said that, you know, like he, he recognized me. It was, a, it was, it was a, a big way, thing. That's a good thing for you to remember too, the way yeah. he approached you because I'm not sure if, I know you're friends with Anthony Mundine. Yep. And I'm sure that, did you watch any of the In the Jungle thing? No, I haven't watched it. So he was just talking about he was a big West Indies fan and one of the cricket captains over there mm-hmm. brushed him because he was talking to girls. And then from that day on, Anthony was only eight or nine years old, it was always in his back of his head that whoever approaches him, You've just got to act nice. You've got to take your photos and just treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's exactly how we exactly treated right. you. Because, you know, if you, if you say no to someone at the end of the day, they're going to remember that for the rest of their life and they're going to have a grudge on you for the rest of their life. And, again, you can't make everyone happy in this world, but you've got to at least give it a, give it a try, you know, because... For me, meeting Roy and for him recognizing me and saying hello mm. would have made my day. But you know, it still does make and it still day. does make my day. But for him, it's it's a small small little gesture yeah. that I will appreciate for the rest of my life. You know? Definitely. So tell me, when you're about 15, you decide that you want to be an amateur boxer. Yeah, yeah, 15, 14, yeah, 15 or 14, I was. Yeah. How did that conversation go down with your mum and dad? It was more with my trainer. You know, I was like, I want to have a few fights you know he's like yeah you're ready was that Igor still back there yeah Igor Igor, yeah yeah. he's like you're definitely ready you know and I remember the first amateur fight the kid was maybe a head taller than me yeah so I came in on nerves I'm like oh man this guy's head taller than me how big were you what what am I going to do 50 kilos no 60 60 kilos okay yeah so he was a head taller than me and I was very nervous and ended up knocking him out in round one wow (laughs) and Man, it was, it was a, and I loved it, I got addicted to it, haven't gone back since, you know. You had a pretty good amateur record, what was it, 31? 32, 32, 32 yeah, the no, Olympic yeah, a, that you lost to? Yeah, and the, the Olympic, the tryout was actually, um, it was a countback loss. Okay. So on a scorecard, back in the days, it was a scorecard type of thing where for each punch you get hit, um, they count one. Two, okay. So it's a, yep. like that type of um, judging. And the scorecard, I think, it was 2-2. So it was declared a draw. And then the countback, I don't know what, what a countback is, but they declared the other guy as the winner. And, mm. yeah, so he got the win. But you fought that, that with one. a really bad wrist injury, is that correct? No, 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 no. I, had a, I had a wrist injury after, yep. but not, not during that fight, no. How bad was the wrist injury? It was, it was bad. You know, actually, I, I, fought, I fought with a broken wrist. Mm. Um, I grew up. No, my dad always taught us that the pain, pain's a thing where you can you can overcome. Mm. You know, pain, pain, pain is nothing. You can you can overcome it. You can if you think about something else, it, it's nothing. Uh, my dad did tests such as cutting, cutting himself a finger, where he was ob- able to overcome the pain. You know, yeah. tests like that. And you know, it was for me because I grew up like that. It was pain, pain was nothing to me. So, so you used to do that my, little tricks on yourself no no well. I never, no. I've never never done it <laughs> I've never done that one but yeah when I started when my wrist did start hurting I yeah. kept training kept training kept training you know I kept telling my grandfather my grandfather's very old school strict style with my dad he was like that and with me he's still like that you know yeah. um, where my wrist started hurting and I kept punching through kept punching through and then I was like you know my wrist actually hurts yeah. nah man sweet you know I'm like alright sweet no worries Still got a left hand. And I had um, the Queensland Golden Gloves. So I was like, we went there, 
won the won the fight. It was actually with a southpaw, so I couldn't really throw the right hand. But you know, with a southpaw, north obviously you've got right to throw hand. the right hand. Yep. So I was throwing the left hand and still won the fight. Afterwards, come back and went and got it checked, and you're like, you know, you got a broken wrist. Probably for like two months, it's been hanging around, you know. So yeah. had a major operation, took me out for like a year and a half. And that sort of unmotivated me for a little bit, you know, mm. such a such a big operation like that. But I got back into it maybe two, th- two, three years after. How does it actually feel compared to what it was before? Is it back to 100% Yeah, it's normal? back to 100%. It's actually much stronger now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what kept you going through that, you know, obviously it was probably a dark period. You just lost yeah. the sport that you loved. So. Yeah, it was, it was just an un... You were unmotivated. Um, you need to keep training no matter what. You've got to have your head... Sh- um, straight through, you know. Mm. It's, uh, it was a yeah, it was a dark, tough, tough time. Yeah, but you, you were running, you were helping running this gym at that stage, were you? No, no, no. Oh, I yeah. I got involved with the gym at 19 years old. Okay. Yeah, 19 years old. Started running the gym. Um, Where did the interest in wanting to run the gym, gym come from? Um, because I've always wanted to do it. Mm. I, was, I was studying at uni, and I was sort of like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And then I was thought about, you know. This this is my life, you know. So I go back into go back into the gym, helping other people out, and then the interest sparked back. You know, it was like a little electricity plug. Boom! I'm back into it. You know, started doing a bit of amateur boxing. Back into it. Never thought about turning professional. Mm. And then it was a bit hard to find um, fighters here in Australia because amateur and the amateur it's system very tiny. is very very yeah. small compared to other countries. Um, so I was like, you know, give it, give it a go in the professional ranks. Yeah, that uh, decision to then turn professional. How did you, you know, obviously you had a big support system, you mentioned your father, your grandfather, your mum, also Igor. Was it a situation where you all sat down and said, well, let's make a plan, or how did that all come about? I remember the f- me and my grandfather are very close. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very important person in my life. So the first person I spoke to was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I go, what do you think? He just talked to dad, I spoke to dad. Dad's like, you know, this is a, it's a serious business. Um, but whatever you do, I always have, I always support you. Yeah. And then the conversation with my uncle Igor came came about because he's been with me for such a long time. He's my trainer. Um, he's guided me throughout my whole career. Um, and then he's like, "Yeah, we'll get you ready," mm-hmm. you know. And it all started from there. Six months in, started going hard, and then um, announced it on social media. Yeah. And then out of out of nowhere. Um, the media got interested, Channel 7, uh, Fox Sports, mm-hmm. and all these different interviews started coming, and it was just like, went from zero to 100 really, really quickly. Yeah. How did you handle it all? Because, like you said, it put a lot on your plate. You're already running the gym, yeah, yeah. a boxer, and then all these media commitments too. Um, you know, because I've sort of seen my dad go through it, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't much of a... Wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't expect much, so I was, I was, I was, I was sweet. Wasn't wasn't much of a concern for me. Yeah. What about adjustments going from amateur to professional? What was the biggest? Adjustment? Um, the biggest adjustment was probably being able to to go the whole the deeper rounds. Yeah. Um, it feels like three rounds in amateur box is just like a sprint. Mm. And sometimes when you when you're doing sparring in amateur when you're when you're an amateur boxer, three rounds you're gassed, you're finished. You know. You know, I'm sparring after three rounds. I'm just like, how on earth can I be gassed? You know. It's it's a, it's a whole different game. Um, as soon as I got him into my first fight, I remember the bloke landing a jab, and I was like, "Oh, I can feel his knuckles." You know, it's not <laughs> a little bit different. It's not pillows anymore. I can feel his knuckles. Was that eight or ten ounce? Ten. 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 Yeah. What about in the lead up, the fifteen minutes prior to the fight? How were you feeling? It was exciting. It was. Uh, it feels like a, 
it was a, it's like a full of adrenaline. You feel like you're, you're on fire. You just want to get in there. It was an, uh, it's an amazing feeling just before the fight. Hey guys, just another quick break in today's episode. Last chat we had on was NRL legend, St. George Illawarra legend, Mark Coyne. If you're into your league, check it out. And here is a quick little preview of the show. Yeah, it was a great... I mean, if people ask me what's my greatest memory of origin, people often probably think I'm going to say that try in 94, but 95 actually my, my, my great greatest memory in terms of what we achieved. So, yeah, we didn't have any sort of... I think there was me, Billy Moore, Gary Larson. Mate, I think Dale Shearer was in was in game one. Uh, but we didn't really have a lot of depth. You know, you had you had guys who hadn't played before, like you know Craig Craig Teven and Benny Iken. Uh, Benny Iken. Yeah, Benny Iken was my roommate, <laughs> uh, which is really weird. That's a different story. But um, yeah, so you know, and then obviously Fatty coming in as as the coach. And um, I remember it was just from that that first meeting that we had as a group, and you know everyone got up and said a few words, all all, all the coaches on me, and then Chris Close got up and and tried to say something and he just choked up, he couldn't actually talk, he was so teary around, you know, around the fact that we got ourselves in this position and you know what it meant to be a Queensland and what we could do. And I think after that those those initial speeches everyone sort of looked at each other and thought, yeah, we could actually do something here and and then uh, but you know in saying that, you know, I was still obviously nervous because we're playing a gun we're playing a gun, you know, uh, New South Wales team, you know, had Freddie and and, uh, and the others around, Mary McGregor and all those guys, and we knew it was going to be tough. So guys, if you're into your NRL, plenty of legends and current players, current, a couple of the current players, Joel Thompson, Timmy Grant's come on, if you're into your legends, the likes of Andrew Weddinghausen, Paul Harrigan, Bradley Clyde, and many, many more have all been on the show. So please go back and check out the back catalogue. Please share the show with your family and friends. If it's your first time here or you're a you know, normal subscriber, well, even if you haven't subscribed yet, Please go on to iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. They're your usual ones that you can find your podcasts, or you can catch it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Yeah, and then the second fight, that's the fight you went up and fought in Adelaide, is that yep. correct? Yep. What was the feeling like actually fighting outdoors? Mm, it was amazing. Um, I had so much fun there. Yeah. If, you, if you watch it, I was walking you into the ring I was smiling, smiling you yeah. know um, it was it was it was a, probably one of the it was an enjoyable day I really really liked the atmosphere and just the whole the whole night about it yeah did you where did you watch the main event from um, we were in just just there mm. we had like a little what was it what is it called the players box okay <laughs> so we were just, just ringside yeah no not ringside just in the, oh, players, in, the players. In, in the change room okay change room so we were just kicking back with all the team well, with all the friends, having a laugh, having a, having a good time. Yeah, a good, guys like good. you know Anthony and Danny Green, to put on big events like that, to have thirty five thousand people come out and watch them. That's, they've done it twice now. Is that something that you see? Is that a long term future? Do you want to put course, huge events on like in Australia? Yeah, that's that's the main goal, you know. As thirty five thousand compared to ninety thousand to mm. Joshua, it's a completely different story, you know. When you when you think about thirty five thousand, it's a that's nothing. Nothing. But is that, is that something you like about Anthony Joshua? He fights in that's, his hometown and he respects the people and he's a people's champion, so to say. You know, at the end of the day, you want to... Boxing is, is entertainment, you know. For your family, for the people around you, it's not. Mm. But in terms of the general public, it's about bringing entertainment to, to their eyes to, for them to, to have a bit of interest. So it's all about bringing the big fights, the best fights. Yeah. Look what Jeff Horn, many Pacquiao did. You know, how many people brought interest to, into that? And it's all about it's all about bringing that back into Australia because when when was the last time 
Australia has big names like that. That's true. You know, and I think we have a lot of talent here. We just have to have the right the right upbringing to, to bring us into the, the big stage and world stage like that. Mm. In your inner circle, who is the most nervous and doesn't like oh. watching you fight? I'd say my grandfather. Really? Even though he's in your corner too? Yeah, I'd say my grandfather. Sure. He usually... Everyone's everyone's do some, doing stuff. Everyone's talking when, in the change rooms. But if you do watch what my grandfather does, and even with my dad sitting in the corner, hands like this, crossed, up, chewing his gum, <laughs> holding holding my water, giving me my water. You know, not saying one word, not one word. And then straight after the fight, you can you can see he's relaxed. He's got a beer in his hand. He's smiling. He's enjoying himself. You know, and. I just, I just love seeing that. Yeah. In your own fights, do you like... Are you very analytical and very critical when you pr- watch it again? Beyond. Yeah. Beyond. Um, I'm never happy with myself, I guess. Sometimes you can never put a perfect performance, I guess. Mm. There's always there's always things to improve on. And that's what boxing is. You, yeah. At the end of the day, you want to learn. You know, you're in the sport to learn, to able to test yourself and to, to become... Not just a better boxer, but a better person as well, inside yeah. and outside the ring. Yeah, and being a better person, you know, you're obviously running this place for a reason. You're a community guy and you like giving back. Mm-hmm. Tell me about coaching others and helping others achieve their own fitness. Um, it's all about motivating people. You know, some people are very unmotivated. Um, I like to motivate people and, you know, just just give it a go. You know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt when you don't try. You know, boxing is simple at the end of the day. You put yeah. some gloves on. And in the ring here, it, it's uh, for for men, it's it's one of the biggest tests. You know, you can you can lift a bit of weights, you can do a bit of running, mm. you can do a bit of CrossFit, but to to put the gloves on, to face face an opponent, to be in this squared circle where where there's no running, where there's no hiding, it's it's a tough thing. And for everyone to just give it a go, there's no no point in not trying yeah is that one thing that you really love because you played team sports when you were younger the fact that you are by yourself you're by yourself in that place and there's no one that can carry no the, the yeah, weight at all exactly right. is that one of the big loves for you it's a, it's a big thing to be able to test yourself and you know as Anthony Joshua said it's all about character and in this squared circle is where you find out who you are and what you're really made of okay to wrap things up team we're going to do a few personality questions mm-hmm. You fought already in so many great places. If you mm-hmm. could pick one venue that you would love to fight one day, where would it be? Any venue. Any venue. Like. Um, definitely T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. Yeah. The the new the new, new uh, one at MGM. Vegas. Yeah, 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 MGM. If you could go back and see your father in his prime, yeah. and you could line him up against one fighter, yeah, who would it be? Floyd Floyd Mayweather for sure. Do you, do you think? Because I know Johnny Lewis. He actually thinks that Costa would have went very, very well against yeah. Floyd yeah. Mayweather. My dad always said that he always had a, a different game plan towards everyone else. And in terms of boxing skills-wise, people saw my dad as just the power, you mm. know. But in terms of skills, look at him in the amateur world games, you know. Look at his achievements in the amateur. Look at his achievements in the professionals. You know, it's not just power. It's a, it's a skill. The constant pressure. Yeah. The it's 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 not seen ever, you know. So. I really thought if that fight did happen, it would have changed the whole history of boxing. Mm. Especially in that weight division, especially around De La Hoya. Well, I mm-hmm. think De La Hoya would have been a very good father. That's fight a good one for your as well, father yeah. as well. Good That's matchup. Good one, yeah. Your style, I know that you are a power puncher. You love the body shots as well. I can see a little bit in your father, but I can see your own style as well. 
What has made up that style from Tim Zoo? Um, a bit of everything, you know. Um, you got to see different characteristics of different fighters of what mm. they got. But at the end of the day, you got to make your own style. I, I describe boxing, you cannot copy a style at all. You know, there's many boxers that try copy, but at the end of the day, it doesn't work. Uh, when you write your signature, mm. you can only make your own signature. Yeah. Yeah. As, as much as you want to copy someone else's signature, it will never be as perfect as their own signature. You only always go back to your signature. So it's, that's how, how boxing is. You know? Definitely. Okay, I'm going to take you back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. What poster did you have on your bedroom wall when you grew up? Poster? Yeah. I've still got that poster, actually. What is it? Actually, poster. Posters. Boxing, what, boxing poster. I've got a picture of um, me as a little kid. Yep. Um, before I knew how to walk, like I'm standing up. I've got two gloves on. They're both on the wrong way. I've got my nappies on. <laughs> And I'm holding my hands like this. And it's a big, big poster, and I still have it on my wall now in my house. Beautiful. I saw another great photo of you and your dad skipping. Obviously, yeah, where would yeah. it have been over just down there? there? Yeah, just down there. It was a fantastic photo. Yeah. You would have, what, been seven or eight years old? And young, young. I used, to, I used to train here with my dad, but, you know. You look, you're going pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tim, final question. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party? You've got five invites. Ooh. Now, only rules. No family or friends. Yeah. But you can invite anyone dead or alive. Dead or alive, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Has your father met him? <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to be kicking back with Vladimir Putin on my table. Um, Mike Tyson. Yep. Um, Pablo Escobar. You've been watching his. I've watched series? his. Yeah. I just, he thinks a lot. He's a very different man. He thinks a lot I think, different. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Just. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else is there? Michael Jackson. Yep. And um, Triple G. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Tim, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Before I let you go, contacts Facebook is Tim Zoo Boxing, Instagram Tim Zoo, or tell us a little bit about how people people can train with you too, right, Tim? Yeah. Um, come check out Zoo Boxing Academy on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we've got classes for everyone, mm-hmm. for kids, for, for adults, um, for females, for, for everyone designed, you know, and uh, we run the classes here for, and, it, and it's a good session, you know, and it's just a good gym, it's a good atmosphere, so, so come down, test yourself, and to all the, to all the bodybuilders and crossfitters, <laughs> come down and we'll, we'll see how you go. Fantastic. <laughs> Challenges out there, guys. Tim Zoo is inviting you down. You'll be silly not to come down. Tim, my man, all the best of luck for Thank 2018. You. Pleasure to have you on the show and you're welcome anytime, my man. Thank you. And guys, that was Tim Zoo. I hope you enjoyed hearing Tim's own personal story and continue to support him. As I've mentioned a couple of times, big fight on the 8th of April, which is a Sunday. He'll be taking on undefeated New Zealand fighter, Ruben Webster. Best way to get tickets is at Eventbrite, www.eventbrite.com.au. The link will be on the show notes or or the profile page, or you can get in contact via Tim's Instagram channel. It has the link directly on it, and his Instagram is at TimZoo. Now, tickets are the general mission sold out at $60. There could possibly be some more seats. They're just having a look at the venue capacity. VIP table seats are still available. They're at $250 for an individual seat. You get a three-course meal and also all your drinks included in that package. Or you can invest in a VIP table. 
table sits eight people. Again, three course meal and drinks included. It's a couple of grand, two grand for the table. So please go out and really support one of our famous names in boxing. But of course, he's forging his own path and he deserves support as well. All right, guys, we've got some big shows coming up, so don't miss a thing. Some absolute legends. Next week on the show, Socceroos captain Mile Yeninak, as well as one of his starting midfielders, Massimo Luongo. So be on the lookout for that episode. The only way not to miss a thing is to subscribe. You can do that via iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. Please, if you could do me one little favor, tell one person, maybe of your family and friends, who you think might enjoy the show. Really helps me continue to grow it. And please, I'd love to hear what your feedback is. So send through anything. Twitter, I'm at TalkingWithTK, or send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, guys, that is it for this week. I'll catch you next week for Mila Yedanak and Massimo Luongo. So be on the lookout for those. Stay safe over the weekend. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.